Hello everyone, from the East Coast of America and the front lines of American healthcare and healthcare research, I am the Dashing Doctor here with the Dashing MD podcast, streaming out there at feeds.feedburner.com backslash dashingmd, emailable at dashingmd at yahoo.com, and blogging at dashingmd.blogspot.com. Happy to be back with you. Got a few stories to tell from the past few weeks, but first, a big announcement for those of you who are devoted listeners to the site, and I do apologize for the late notice for this. Uh, I will be appearing on the Dr. Anonymous radio show on Blog Talk Radio on Sunday, the 21st of October of this good year, 2007. I will have a link to it on my blog, dashingmd.blogspot.com. Um, it's also available at uh, www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Dr. Anonymous. Um, and the plan will be for me to be uh, a part of that broadcast at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on October 21st. So if you uh, want to be a part of a live interactive session with me and Dr. Anonymous, whose blog is great, it's dranonymous.blogspot.com. Um, it would be great to uh, see you and talk to you uh, on Sunday night at 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, so that's the big news. That'll be fun. It's uh, it's exciting to be a part of some sort of broader interactive internet experience out there as we all muddle our way through things. It's always nice to be reminded that there are other people out there who are thinking about these things and talking about these things, and being a part of that conversation is obviously why I'm here um, doing this anyway. So um, it's certainly not for the personal fame and fortune. Um, that said, it's been a quiet uh, period of mail from the listenership, so I am going to uh, be going solo here tonight, um, coming up with uh, some things to talk about. And uh, the two sort of things I want to talk about are uh, elements of the rituals of medicine. Um, the first is, uh, is the licensing process for becoming a doctor, the sort of hoops you jump through to become an official physician. Um, and the other is uh, this conference that I recently attended uh, of the American College of Surgeons and the sort of rights and responsibilities that come along with being a member of that guild. So um, first of all, those of you who are in the medical profession will find this probably old hat, but um, it seems like most of the listeners out there um, are not doctors, but are people who are interested in healthcare or maybe other health professionals. And uh, I just wanted to sort of review for you um, how it is that, that you become a physician. So you obviously go to medical school to get your MD degree, but um, while I think that is a necessary part of becoming a doctor, not necessarily attending a U.S. medical school and getting an MD degree, um, because certainly there are plenty of places in the world where you can get a medical degree, um, and you don't have to repeat medical school when you come to the U.S. You often have to repeat residency. Um, but uh, besides the formal post-college training in medicine that you have to receive somewhere, there is some very specific testing that you have to do. 
and these tests are called the USMLEs, um, the United States Medical Licensing Exams, and any doctor who wants to practice in the United States has to take those exams. And they come in three steps. So step one comes right after your second year in medical school, and it focuses on all the stuff that you've learned sitting through interminable hours of class and lab in the first two years of medical school. There's not a huge amount of clinical scenario in the sense of presenting you with a patient and making you figure out that patient's problem, but there's a lot of discussion of the pathophysiology of disease, pharmacology, sort of the basic science of how this works. And all of these exams are standardized tests. Um, they're administered on a computer um, in a prometric testing center, one of these sort of soulless, colorless places where you go and there's 100 people taking 100 different sorts of tests at the computers all around you. And these tests are unbelievably long, uh, usually eight hours in a day, 350 questions or so. Um, by the end, you are exhausted by this sort of constant repetition of question after question after question after question. Step one comes after your first two years. Step two then comes after you've had some clinical time. Now some people, depending on how you do on your uh, step exams, they're also called the board exams. You may or may not want to take step two uh, in your third year or in your fourth year of medical school. Now if you do great on step one, then you probably want to put off taking step two because you've got the high score exam that shows that you know what you're doing and that's enough for residencies. But if you don't do well on step one, then you can try to do very well on step two, and step two will sort of cover more clinical scenarios. It's actually much more relevant to what you need to know to be a doctor. And you'll take that either during your third year or during your fourth year of medical school. Most people take it at the end of their third year. Some people take it at the end of their fourth, again, trying to avoid the risk of presenting a bad score or a less good than your step one score to residency programs as you're applying to them. Now, theoretically, these tests are designed to be pass-fail. And the scoring system everybody acknowledges is kind of somewhat arbitrary, um, besides setting a pass-and-fail point. Um, they aren't... The scores are not delivered as percentages or percentiles. They're sort of a numerical score, and I'm not sure quite where it starts or where it ends, and I don't know that anybody is, but uh, generally you score like over 175 or so as a pass, and high scores regarded as being like over 220, and you hear stories of people scoring in up to 260 or so, but uh, often these stories are by boastful people in medical school who you don't necessarily believe. And it's an odd thing to not kind of know what the scoring of a test is and to have the score sort of not necessarily mean anything directly. There's also a second part of step, the step two exam, which is called the step two clinical skills exam. This is a really controversial um, part of medical testing that uh, is sort of been brought into mainstream medical testing for all medical uh, students from the... Uh, testing programs that were put in place for international or foreign medical graduates coming to the United States. Um, and it's a test of your clinical skills in the sense of your ability to relate with patients, ask questions appropriately, be a sort of normal, reasonable human being. And I guess the idea is that it's supposed to cut out the sort of 
cold-hearted, um, unthinking, unfeeling scientists uh, and make those people have to formally display their ability to be a decent human being. It's sort of a controversial test, not because it's a bad thing for doctors to have those traits, but because uh, it's only offered in a few places in the country, so you have to usually fly to it. Um, and then beyond that, it takes, you know, an entire day to do, um, and you'll have to spend the night wherever you go. And then the test cost, just the test, costs over $1,000. So the total cost um, to a student is, you know, 1500 or $2,000 sometimes uh, to take a test that over 95% of people apparently pass. Uh, so what's the point? Anyway, uh, that's step two. There's the, the two components of step two, the clinical knowledge and clinical skills tests. And then there's step three. And step three is why I'm talking about this today, because I recently took step three. It's usually taken in your residency, usually after your intern or your second year. Um, and it's the final step of the boards. Um, it's a two-day-long extravaganza. Uh, the first day is endless uh, clinical scenarios. It's like seeing 300 patients in a day. They present you with a whole clinical story, and then you are asked to pick from a multiple-choice list of diagnoses or treatments that you would uh, think about. And then on the second day, you start off with more of those multiple-choice questions and then move into what's really quite an amazing and fun testing system um, where you're presented with a patient and then you can sort of enter free-form text, which the computer interprets, um, to talk about what tests you'd like to order, what procedures you'd like to do, and you sort of proceed through this case and your patient gets better or worse depending on what you do, and you have a variety of options that you can explore. The, the range of tests and interventions is quite extraordinary, actually. And those were really fun. It was sort of unfortunate that they came at the end of 11 hours of testing before that. Um, but when I finally got to that part and was sort of working through those patients, oh, it was a good reminder, you know, particularly since I've been in the lab now and have not been seeing patients on a regular basis. It was a great reminder of why it's such a fun thing to take care of people who are sick. You know, I mean, aside from the sort of spiritual aspect and the, the doing good for your fellow man aspect, which are huge, um, it's really just fun to have all these tools and, and to be able to be creative about figuring out answers from these sort of puzzles that you're presented with. Um, and somehow seeing that distilled on a computer screen was a, a nice reminder of, of how much fun it is in real life in a, in a way that I think you can lose track of in real life because in real life it's attached to all the pressures and the time and the tiredness and the smells of it all. And to just sort of be reminded that, that there's this sort of intellectual problem-solving aspect to what we do um, in such a sort of formal way was really great and I it's hard for me to believe that I'm saying this but I actually appreciate um, having had the opportunity to take that test now we'll see what I say when my scores come back because um, it's been a while since I did a lot of primary care and this is these are not specialty specific tests these are sort of like general knowledge 
and by general knowledge, it basically means primary care. Um, so it means like uh, there's sort of an infinite amount of gynecology and um, an infinite number of well babies needing vaccinations. Two things which I've really tried quite hard to not think about uh, since med school. Um, yeah, discharges are just, they're not my thing. Um, but we'll see. I hopefully weathered my way through it okay. And um, and now, I, assuming I've passed that, I've completed all of the formal requirements to be a physician, which means that I can get a license, a full license, um, where I work in any state, and uh, I can get a DEA license and uh, have full prescription privileges. And in theory, I'm now a physician capable of doing anything that physicians are allowed to do. I could, if I could find a hospital willing to give me privileges, take out people's pancreases um, with the certification that I have now. And that's something I think is amazing and is not much appreciated, that residencies are not required to be a doctor um, or to practice one area of medicine. You could do a residency in dermatology and do abdominal surgeries on people. You could do no residency at all, just complete your step exams and get your license and do any branch of medicine you wanted. The only thing is you couldn't claim to be a member of any given specialty, uh, but you could put out a shingle that said, dashing MD, physician, and claim to be able to do anything you wanted. And if you could find a hospital willing to let you do it, or you wanted to set up your own little center and could find patients willing to come to somebody who wasn't board eligible or board certified in any given specialty, there would be nothing stopping me from doing whatever I wanted. Take it from me, that's a scary thing, but I think a nice little reminder that the world is a little less legislated than uh, than we sometimes give it credit for. Speaking of specialties, uh, that's the other thing that uh, I've been doing recently. I just spent last week in New Orleans a strange and dying town, I think. Um, if you've not been there, I'd go soon, because I'm not convinced it's going to be there in 10 years. Um, I was at the American College of Surgeons Clinical Congress, which is the largest meeting of surgeons in the country. It's held every year, uh, moves around the country. And in past years when I've been, uh, I've been once before, it's uh, it's typically a huge event. This year, there were many, many, many fewer people. And I think there was sort of a widespread feeling among the people that I talked to, at least, that it was a bit of a bust as a conference. Part of that, I think, is New Orleans, because it's, uh, it's hard to get to, and um, it's definitely not back from Katrina. It feels like it's, it's slipping, um, even now, uh, and walking through that town and watching it uh, sort of sit empty and and collapsing on itself was a really sobering thing. Uh, I will say, though, that the food was amazing, and the conference, while certainly not the site of any major groundbreaking news in surgery, was was really pretty fun. There's a great exhibit booth with manufacturers uh, of every different surgical-related tool, device, program, and concept. Um, where you can sort of wander around and get a sense of 
technological innovation in surgery, which is is very fast paced and very interesting. And you know, you see the latest and greatest of everything. Most of which you know will never find traction in clinical medicine, um, and won't be there next year. But uh, but a lot of which is is actually pretty interesting, and it's fun to sort of be there now, having been there as a medical student, and realize how much I've learned and how much more I'm able to sort of critically assess the stuff that's out there. Um, there are also any number of, of meetings and discussions of specific aspects of surgery, and I saw some fun presentations, nothing really amazing, about um, surgical innovation and a lot of sort of GI and alimentary tract physiology, which is the area that I'm doing my research in, so it was good to be there. And uh, the American College of Surgeons is a great organization. They're actually... Um, partially supporting the work that I do, and, and um, it's great to go to this thing and, and know that I'm going to have to be there in the next co- couple of years sort of presenting on my own the results of my work. It's it's good to sort of go there and see how all that's done, and, and it's a reminder of how much of a fraternity, and it really, even today, is still largely a fraternity of uh, a group that surgery is. Um, in sort of the Bacchanal sense of like people getting a little too crazy when they're all stuck together in a room and there's an open bar, which I didn't really care for. Uh, but also in the sense of sort of being mutually supportive and 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 in the sort of older people looking out for the long, younger people. And you go to these meetings where residents are presenting their research work and they're asked tough questions by the, the people in the audience, but the people in the audience are titans in American surgery who are really, you know, sort of fundamentally supportive of this stuff and are willing to sit through six hours of residents sort of fumbling their way through their research and try to sort of interact with them and teach them in a way that that uh, is is really pretty impressive. And I was I was really happy to be able to be there and be a part of that. So that was uh, that was all of last week. Um, And uh, and then I went uh, briefly after that, since I was traveling anyway, went back to Colorado, which is my home state, my original state. I was born there and then moved along with my whole family uh, when I was 14 or so and, and have not really been back. Um, so that was an amazing experience to go back to a, a town that I, uh, I left a long time ago and to see how it's changed. And what's amazing is how much it hasn't changed and and to see sort of all those places that I remember from my youth walk around and and see the individual little details that I'd forgotten about but which when I see I immediately remember and which immediately bring to mind a hundred little images and stories Um, it was sort of like a nine-hour episode of deja vu just walking around and an amazing sensation that I I'm really glad I had. I was nervous about it. Um, then I was up in uh, Boulder, Colorado, making a, a movie over the weekend. Uh, some friends of mine from high school and medical school got together, and we had 24 hours to put together a short movie um, as part of this 24-hour film festival uh, that was really great fun. I mean, I, I, I've really missed the opportunity to be creative in these past years of residency, these there's so little chance to to express yourself in a way that has nothing to do with medicine um you know and the the podcast does that for me but 
but there's nothing like sitting around with a couple of really good friends and just coming up with a crazy idea and just laughing about it all night long while you try to put this thing together. And we were thrilled by it. I think the final product was really great. Um, so uh, it didn't win any awards, but I think that's the result of there being, uh, you know, the, the critics just, they're not quite on our plane yet. What can I say? Anyway, it was a great week, and um, and now I'm back and, and sort of trying to get things started in the research realm again. Things are sort of, this is this happens with research. It's, it's hard. I mean, you have to figure out how to do something that's never been done before in order to know something that's never been known before, and there's just no roadmap for how to best do that. Um, so I'm in the middle of trying to sort of create a plan to do something sort of cobbling other people's projects previously together into a new way of doing something to create a you trying to use some established tools to measure things that have never been measured and it's it's been a real challenge i've sort of feeling like i haven't really got traction yet on it um but i'm making progress and i think it'll be exciting and, and hopefully i'll be able to report sometime soon that i at least am running experiments that are working and showing the feasibility of the idea, even if uh, it'll be a while before we have any decent data to show for ourselves. And that's it. That's kind of where things are. Um, I'm anxious uh, to hear from all of you. Uh, hopefully I'll hear from some of you on Sunday night uh, with the Dr. Anonymous uh, radio show. Um, I'll put a link to uh, that show on the blog um, and stop by and check out the blog. I, I don't I think it's kind of got some interesting things and good links and some interesting stories and things um, worth taking a look at if you haven't seen it recently. And uh, I hopefully we'll be back soon with some more uh, stories from this new East Coast life. Let me know if you've got questions, comments, concerns, issues, thoughts, please, dashingmd at yahoo.com, uh, the blog dashingmd.blogspot.com, and the feed, uh, which you're getting now, but... Uh, if you want to tell your friends, I certainly would appreciate it. It's feeds.feedburner.com backslash dashingmd. We're available on iTunes. Just search for dashingmd. And that's it for now. I'll hopefully talk to you on Sunday. And uh, in the meantime, be well. Take care. <laughs>